Uh, it gives me great pleasure to introduce my very good friend, uh, Niall Keane. Uh, Niall works at Mary Immaculate College in Limerick. Uh, he's widely published in areas of phenomenology. He's just recently published uh, a piece on Heidegger and rhetoric, I believe, uh, and he's working on Arendt and questions of plurality and dialogue. Uh, and today he's speaking to us uh, on uh, the, the world as natural or abysmal, the threat of naturalism and the history of being. Thank you. Thanks, Keith. Thanks, everybody. Um, okay, um, so I'm going to try... I'm feeling a little fragile from last night. I came under the influence of some... Retrogrades. Some retrogrades, yeah, retrobates. Um, so <laughs> I'm hanging in there, but uh, I have this paper and I hope it won't be too long, but I need to read the paper. Um, so, okay, um, so the, the talk will be on naturalism, and I'm relating the early Heidegger to, and I'll try to bring it around at the end to the later Heidegger, the question of being, but I have to do a lot of work to get there, um, so uh, bear with me. So, in an epigraph, found at the beginning of Gesamtausgabe 94, Heidegger refers to a passage from Plato's Theotetus, which reads as follows, Panta gar Ptolemytheon, which could be translated as everything must be risked. This is perhaps the most fitting model for Heidegger's more mature works. In terms of risking everything in the name of a complete transformation then, Heidegger speaks of the need in this, uh, in Gesamtausgabe 94, uh, he speaks of the need to write his way through a type of burdensome silence, claiming that the thinking to come, thinking reserved for a few, is necessarily poor, errant, and that the few genuine thinkers to come must hold themselves, I quote, out into the darkness of necessity, end of quote. They must then, according to Heidegger, endure the measureless and incalculable sphere of questions and questioning. Because of this, it is no accident that his middle and later works frequently reject the very possibility of scientific system building, which is nowhere more pronounced than when he writes in the Contributions to Philosophy that philosophy's attempts to make itself comprehensible is tantamount to philosophy taking its own life. In the Schwarze Hefte, then, Heidegger states that there is, in 94 and 95 are the, 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 the volumes I will be more referring to, um, he states that nothing, there is nothing refutable in philosophy because philosophy does not make refutable claims. Rather, philosophy is, he says, openness to being. His, then, is a thinking that strives to move away from the idol of quantification, the drive of calculation, and the dispossessed reckoning, not to mention the continual increase of power, objectification, and naturalization. With this in mind, I would like to address the threat of naturalism in Heidegger's early work, examining how world openness and nature are distinct concerns, and to see how these two interrelated but distinct concerns become more nuanced when he reflects on nature, things, and world openness in his later writings on the history of being. I will then assess whether Heidegger is in fact a non-naturalist, and if he is a non-naturalist, how deep down that non-naturalism goes, but I will argue that there is a peculiar form of naturalism at work in his analysis, nonetheless. Now, there is a phenomenologically, I don't have to tell you, you all know this, but there is a phenomenologically rich account of experience in Heidegger's early analysis of things, as it pertains to the possibility of relating the worldly character of things to what he terms the original science of life. 
in a manner that is not about determining things as cultural, technical, or natural objects that stand over against subjects as determining agents of cognition. Heidegger's discussion of the experience of things is focused instead on regaining a sense of the affective and event-like nature of worldly experience and on the meaningful interconnectedness that exists between things and how this has been arguably lost in Husserl, particularly in the early work, in Husserl's insistence on the unworldly character of transcendental consciousness in its constituting transcendent reality as unities of meaning for consciousness. So world openness then is thus for Heidegger a constitutive moment of as constitutive moment because the being of things depends on a context of reference that is constitutive of what it means to have a world. In this sense, the world for Heidegger in the 1920s is the real transcendental theme. What he calls, what he termed, a transcendental concept in the strict sense, end of quote. This is the case because the being of things is not derived from subjectivity or psychic life, but from the totality of contextual involvements that make up the world as held open by Dasein's distinct mode of being, namely transcending. The same is true of all understanding, in that it must necessarily take its start from the world towards which it exists and projects its understanding, and from the historical and world-expressing context of meaning that precedes and exceeds it. Admittedly, the analysis of world in being and time has little interest in the world of nature. Notwithstanding this, I would contend that for Heidegger, the world is addressed in a twofold manner, at least a twofold manner. One, the world is a transcendental uh, horizontal no thing, which he terms in Gesamtskabe um, 2930, a nihil originarium, making possible the appearance of things without itself being a thing. And two, world is simultaneously bound up with the world-forming manner of human existence namely the particular openness and understanding that belongs to the human being. Consequently, I believe it is altogether wrong to say that the world for Heidegger is purely a product of our discursive existential ontological activity, since to say this would land Heidegger squarely back in the metaphysics of subjectivity he sought to thematize and criticize. When Heidegger refers to the human beings standing open towards the world, he is referring to what he terms almost 40 years later, uh, sorry, after, um, almost 40 years after being in time, the human beings, I quote, receptive, perceptive relatedness to something which addresses us from out of the openness of the world. How we are always directed towards things disclosing themselves to us. Because the things which are almost disclosing themselves, not simply the productive, projective, at nature of Dasein's existence. So for Heidegger, then, the world, displaying what I think is a genuine form of naturalness, presents itself as a structural openness bound up with the poetic activity and receptivity of the human being in holding it open. And yet it's important to add, this structural openness is always more than the holding open of the world. This notwithstanding, Heidegger is trying to think together the transcendent dimension of the world, things as they make a claim on us, and the role that the human being plays in holding open the world in engaged understanding. More specifically, his argument is that the ontic concretions, he called the ontic concretions, of the multiplicity of diverse sources in physical, biological, and historical life, grasped through a variety of methods such as causal explanation or interpretation, 
cannot manifest the original unity and movement of human life and world. The unity and movement cannot be unpacked into a group of empirical elements available to scientific naturalism in its building a scientific image of the subject and world as simply out there as observable ontic transcendence. It is revealed instead at the ontological level, he claims, in the thematization and disclosure of the no-thing of world openness that no type of empiricism can access or bring before it as an object. The world, which is not the world of nature observed as an extant entity, is for Heidegger modes of facilitating and engendering concern-embedded correlations and their meaning actualization. Insofar as when a world is held open, there is also held open correlations between certain acts and objects of those acts, and these correlations can be rendered thematic. Thus, far from taking this to be a form of minimal or liberal naturalism, I take Heidegger's approach to be one that resists assigning absolute priority to either the occurrent thing or the subject matter of disclosing the thing. Focusing mainly, and I think yeah, more so, on the ontological structure of world openness. And while Heidegger always insists on a, a participant-recipient structure of human experience, he also emphasizes that neither the subject, subjective manner of understanding, nor the object of understanding can manifest itself outside of the openness of the world. Hence, his focus is on grounding the intentional correlation between act and object, of understanding and the thing understood, on the openness of the world, and not simply on the poles of the correlation. Because of this, he takes up the issue of intentionality, in the early work at least, but only as a starting point, problematizing and transforming it into, as we know, the care structure of human existence and locating it in the unique manner of human existing. Uh, eschewing a form of liberal naturalism, Heidegger claims that taken together the two poles of this participant-recipient structure are themselves possible only because of world openness or the transcendental movement of the transcendent world, which is not what is beyond or behind the appearances but rather what allows act and object pole to appear as correlates in the first place. Accordingly, what being a thing means, ding sein, what being a thing means for Heidegger is equivalent to the manner in which the thing makes itself felt in our dealings, affordances, or concerns of world involvement. And what is characteristic of everyday concern is the fact that things present themselves within a more or less familiar, dynamic, and purposeful context of reference, designated by what Heidegger calls the world of concern. Directly challenging then attempts to construe the world as a product of immediately given sense data, or even as the totality of things on hand, he declares in 1925, I quote, nature as reality can only be understood on the basis of worldliness, end of quote. Things then, as Heidegger understands them, are hence not simply extant objects or component pieces of a physical world standing apart from us qua physical subjects. We are not only addressed by things, we are integral to their coming into and passing out of being in our engagement with them as meaningful. The bolder claim, however, and on the face of it, incompatible with most types of naturalism, is that without us there would be no things. Yet this should neither be taken to mean that things are dependent upon us for their reality, nor that things are just out there as bare or current entities in the physical world. 
The human being does not create or construct things, although in letting things appear, there is enacted, as I said, an important poetic capacity of bringing something into the world and simultaneously being claimed by what is brought. That we are essential to things and their meaningfulness signifies that nothing which exists relationally can do so without making a claim on us, even if the claim is not evident to us. <clears throat> For we too are thing-like beings distinct from all other things insofar as we are ontological, this is the ontical, ontological distinctness of Dasein. And to say that we are essential to things is to say that we do not exist apart from a nexus of relations and that the world is open and held open as intelligible by both our manner of, our, our manner of existing, our world-sustaining understanding with others, and by the nexus of relations that exist between things in excess of our manner of existing against the dynamic structure of world openness. And this, is not, and this is not to understand the givens of experience as determined, conditioned, or conceptually circumscribed by subjects, but rather as facilitated in their manifestation by our understanding. Now, a possible tension arises here, I think, insofar as the early Heidegger appears to be committed to a form of weak constitutive analysis, I think, in that the holding open of the world takes place by way of existential ontological understanding. And this is precisely what Heidegger terms in being, uh, in being in time, the a priori perfect or the ontological or transcendental perfect structure of human existence, understood as both inhabiting a world of sense that exceeds our constitutive powers, being towards a world that is always more than our correlation to it, and holding it open as what is both inescapably mine and yet common to all. Consequently, the return to things as they are in the world is a return to things as they are given in a relational context. And yet to return to them in the knowledge that their transcendence will always be more than their immediate relational context, and more than their relation to my perspective on or involvement with them. Nature is thus not exclusively an object of natural science, but rather something that is to be retrieved from the world of what is available. Uh, nature as a specific world of natural being. And as Heidegger puts it in Being in Time, I quote, the nature that encompasses us is an entity within the world, but it displays the type of being neither of the handy nor of the on hand in the manner of the thingliness of nature, end of quote. This is, what, this is precisely what causes Heidegger then to, to write one year later, world, I quote, world is only if and as long as Dasein exists. Nature can also be when no Dasein exists. However, when Heidegger states in being in time that Dasein is its world existingly, he is not inferring that world existence is reducible to Dasein's mode of being. Rather, world openness qua structure of the world, is sustained by Dasein's being in the world and not constructed or created by it. Thus, it is an all-important distinction between the reciprocal world openness as ontological structure and the existential ontological holding open of the world that allows us to differentiate worldliness and Dasein in a manner that some readers of Being in Time claim is both impossible and untenable. Fink was one of the first to say it, and most recently uh, Lillian Alvice. 
So while Heidegger most often identifies the term nature with the totality of objectively present for handling physical objects, he occasionally admits that there are other equally valid senses of the term. In Being in Time, for example, he acknowledges that nature can also show up for us in relation to our projects as resources or obstacles. The tree as timber, the river as water, um, water power, the wind as filling a sail. It can also show up, he says, in the romantic concept as nature that stirs and strives behind and beyond any particular being. According to this more expansive understanding, nature manifests itself not just in physics, but theoretically, sorry, but pre-theoretically as well. Indeed, for Heidegger, we arrive at the physical conception of nature, at the conception of nature as the totality of objectively present physical stuff, through a historical process which he calls de-worlding, which emerges as a disciplined way of dealing with breakdowns in our prior pre-theoretical engagements with nature. This suggests that there may be a way to understand Dasein as a natural being, without succumbing to the ontological naivety Heidegger associates with attempts at physicalistic reduction or a type of eliminativism. A Heideggerian naturalist, then, can understand nature as, I quote, that which from an old, sorry, that which, that which from of old has been named Thusis. That which brings itself to presence in all the various ways that this can happen. Nature, for this naturalism, would both be restricted to the domain of the physical, but would amount to what shows itself in both, that shows itself both in the natural sciences and in Dasein's grasp of itself, self-understanding, as the being concerned with its own being. This Heideggerian determination of Dasein as a natural being, if you'll permit that term, in virtue of its coming to presence, raises puzzling questions. One is the following. Is it coherent, then, for us to take Dasein, insofar as it is the condition of the intelligibility of beings, to be a being, even if a special type of being? In rediscovering nature outside of science as the ontological ground of all phenomena, nature shrinks, arguably, to a vanishing point at the origin of both the experience of the manifest world and the experience of phenomenological reflection. This allows for a new way of understanding nature as the ground of subjectivity. Instead of taking naturalistic research in the philosophy of mind to consist in the attempt to articulate the ways minds are metaphysically grounded in a pre-existing world of scientifically recognized properties, we see the phenomenological hermeneutical naturalism as committed to an understanding of self and world as a complex and highly organized process of phenomenal manifestation. Thus, the success of the critique of traditional forms of naturalism found in Heidegger's early phenomenology hinges on an understanding of the altogether strange and seemingly paradoxical claim regarding the non-appearance of the world absent of the human being and the world understood as a structural articulation of appearances characterized by its openness, which is not constituted by the human being and yet needs, as I said repeatedly, to be held open nonetheless. In fact, Heidegger notes in Being in Time that letting something be does not mean 
making something visible, but rather uncovering something in as much, to quote him, in as much as it is already that something. Freeing this something for its referential involvement, he says. So again, while Heidegger claims that the world, in being a time, he claims that the world is, he says, Dasein-ish, Dasein-mäßiges. Um, namely, the world, namely that world existence, um, over against uh, the mere extantness of a current objects, he is simultaneously mindful of what he calls the heresy of subjectivism, insisting that the world is neither projected or produced or constructed by Dasein, and that reconceiving the sense of the world brings with it the need to reconceive what it means to be a subject and what it means to be a thing. But otherwise, what we need, or what Heidegger tells us we need, is a transition to world openness. And what allows for this transition is the very mode of Dasein's existence as existing understandingly, without this understanding being world-constructed. The existential analytic is thus provisional, and the Dasein analysis is, is, is primarily, I would like to claim, an ontological clue which is key to understanding the analogous, though not identical, mode of world existence. Consequently, any reconceived understanding of world existence is simultaneously a reconceiving of the sense of human existence and the sense of things as an opened and open referential context. Because of this, and notwithstanding Heidegger's claim that the world is a transcendental concept in the strict sense, I would like to claim that already in being in time, the world naturalizes Dasein in a particularly non-naturalistic way. Insofar as the environing world, to which Dasein also constitutively belongs, pulls Dasein out amongst things and allows it to enter what he terms a circumspective commerce with things. And yet this is not simply the inauthentic falling amidst things of irresolute life, and it needs to be distinguished from irresolute world absorption. What I'm referring to here is Heidegger's important and infrequently acknowledged phrase found in the metaphysical foundations of logic, namely the fact of facticity and the primal fact of the world. These two phrases, the fact of facticity and the primal fact of the world, point to the necessity, without sufficiency, of natural extantness as much as the promise of an authentic projective understanding. It is this, I believe, which is overlooked in many studies of Heidegger that focus understandably, and yet almost exclusively on the side of the transcendental projection of the world the transcendental priority of disclosed being over uncovered entities, and the primacy of the existential ontological analysis over the ontic existential uh, dimension. However, as I understand it, what Heidegger is really trying to do is set the stage existentially and ontologically in such a way as to be able to reconceive subsequently our relationship to things and their naturalness, not to mention our naturalness, beyond the either-or of practical or theoretical interest, naturalism or spiritualism, naive realism or absolute idealism. The task of reconceiving what it means to be a thing then, and simultaneously reconceiving our relationship to things, is precisely what Heidegger refers to in 1926 as met-ontology, understood as the reversal, the umschlag, or the overturning of ontology, which is his attempt to challenge an understanding of the naturalness of the world I quote, construed as a mere material splintered into a manifold of sensations, end of quote. So that another sense of the natural is retrievable, 
as a metaphysical ontic science. On foot of this, Heidegger claims that our relationship to the world is one of intimate familiarity. And because of this forgotten familiarity, forgotten because it is so natural and so intimate, he sets out to examine the world, as he puts it, on its own terms, by recovering what he calls in, in, in the later lectures on the question concerning the thing, the and I quote, the natural construal of the world and the natural perspective on the world. As I have said, in Heidegger's account, the world is a surrounding and natural openness through which possibilities of the subject and the object come to be and relational significations manifest themselves. Therefore, possibilities are brought to light because they are held open as possibilities by human existence. Hence, meaning exists in the world because it is nothing other than an understanding of meaning as an engagement with what concerns us, which is rendered possible by the reciprocal openness of the human being and world, and not primarily by the aesthetic or positional components of consciousness. The world which is held open by human Dasein is thus the structural articulation of a comprehensible whole that permits sense to be brought to light without the human being again being the originator of this sense. Heidegger's phenomenological analysis of world experience, or the world of experience, is thus not wedded to the concept of the world in which things are just there in themselves, independent of subjective experience, and then subsequently experienced and apprehended, nor is the experience of things and the world the simultaneous apprehension of things as experienced. It is in this sense that one can say that the world is experienced as the communality or commonality of things and spaces of possibility. And this is not subjective, if by subjective one is referring to the nature of psychic interiority, or an image we have of ourselves as monadic centers of activity or interest, since the subjectivity that Heidegger is referring to here is the totality of subjectively open and open centers of existential possibility, which are actualizable because the world is always already opened, or open rather than open. And as Heidegger would have it, things offer themselves to me from a certain perspective, not because against the Husserlian account, for example, not because of the unity of my psychophysical point of view or my holding sway of my embodied movement um, on these things. Instead, I look at things. I am drawn in by things because they are collocated and ordered into a certain system of meaningful and compatible references whose wholeness points to world horizon as an open, no thing. Things then make demands on me because they are entwined with historicality. Hence, they are embedded with meanings and practical purposes to which we are historically receptive. This amounts to the following. I can thematize, uh, I can thematize and I can enter into relation with, I can enter into a relation with a certain set of possibilities, be they practical or theoretical, only because I have been thrown into a space of interrelated intelligibility articulations that shape these particular possibilities in advance. The human being, understanding itself, understanding others, and understanding its world in the unity of being there together, comes back from the structure of world openness, which is not an entity, to the entities encountered within this world openness, thanks to that open structure in the first place. Moving from the dynamic, structural, no-thing of world openness, to these entities in understanding is the existential meaning 
of letting things be encountered by making them present. The difficulty for me here is that throughout the first decade of Heidegger's lectures, he seems fully committed to seeking some systematic, phenomenological, scientific level of analysis that was forgotten by the metaphysical tradition, while simultaneously aware that the metaphysical, scientific, and naturalistic account of reality as a fundamental occurrence within human life, he says, has a type of, call it a type of doxastic modality or a type of validity um, um, that can never be challenged or replaced by the thing that has been forgotten. And that there is ultimately an interdependent back and forth between originary and derivative, fundamental ontology and the metaphysics of entities, which needs to be kept alive and in view. When it comes to the history of being, however, Heidegger views nature as elemental and primordial as opposed to something actual, focusing exclusively on how metaphysics as a science structurally impedes another way of thinking uh, when it comes to the concealed occurrence or truth of being. Uh, as, a, as a possibility, <clears throat> this truth of being as a possibility, and this metaphysical, let's say, this metaphysical tendency that structurally impedes this other way of thinking denatures what was originally natural by way of mastery, calculation, and exploitation. At, and at this point, the phenomenologist as thinker is radically differentiated from the systematic scientific philosopher with the thinker no longer moving uh, from what Heidegger and Schwarze Hefte in Gesamtskabe 96 terms, so that the thinker, unlike the, unlike the scientific philosopher, the thinker is no longer moving from beings to being, but instead from being into its truth, without any reference to things or entities or beings. In the change of key, from transcendental horizontal to historical appropriating, we use this von Hermann um, distinction, Heidegger seems, to con Heidegger seems content to focus exclusively on the burdensome transition to the history of being, striving after conceptual questioning, without any reference, as far as I can see, to any return to a renewed metaphysics of things or entities, a metaphysics of nature. And with this, I believe the richness of the ontological distinctness of the earlier Dasein analysis is diminished. While there is something deeply enviable and exemplary about the enlargement of hermeneutic seeing and reading contained in Heidegger's later interpretations, I believe there is also a loss and a falling away from the earlier phenomenological impulse that strives to keep together the metabole between phenomenological and natural factical and factual, existential and existential, fundamental ontology and the metaphysics of existence. However, there is perhaps one way to show how my concerns might be alleviated or overturned. So let me try in conclusion to address and nuance the potential difficulty I have identified just here and how it pertains to the threat of naturalism and the possibility of thinking nature differently. Notwithstanding the fact that being in time only makes reference to the body infrequently, and notwithstanding what I have said previously, I think there are grounds for arguing that the mature Heidegger still wanted to extend his earlier joint ontological and met-ontological reconceiving of subject, world, and things to include the reconceiving of the body as a very special kind of natural thing. 
a subject-objective thing, to quote Husserl, a natural thing in a wholly new sense. This signifies that living is essentially an embodied living understood as the open and opened worldly feeling of life, he says in the first of the Nietzsche volumes, page 565, and that the special type of natural thing mirrors the naturalness of world openness without these elements being reducible to one another. Now, it would be an act of extreme bad faith to claim Heidegger was always wrestling with the notion of embodiment. But it should be noted that in the Zolokon seminars, which we've had some reference to already, he does confess that the bodily, das Leibliche, is the most difficult to understand and that he was unable to say more at the time. What is key in the Zolokon seminars, however, is, as Heidegger puts it, I quote, our bodily being, das Leibliche, is founded upon responding, entsprechen, but a responding to the world. But if what I have said about the world naturalizing human Dasein, or naturalizing human life is tenable, then there is much to be said about how the body needs to be incorporated into his attempt to naturalize, or better, mundanize uh, Dasein in a very particular way. Now, the body in this instance should not be understood in purely biological and physiological terms, and hence the obvious form of naturalism is ruled out. And thus my reference to the world, naturalizing Dasein in a very specific way, places us neither within the realm of soft or bald naturalism. The living body for Heidegger is understood as a special type of incorporating, Einverleiden, an incorporating and space-opening thing through which life pulsates. Dasein's embodied attunements, then, are what allows for the appearance of things and the meaningful relations between things to obtain without its naturalness simply accounting for the open appearance of the world. Hence the irreducibility of world openness to Dasein's mode of being as an embodied possibilism. World openness must first be present if embodied Dasein is to belong to it and struck by it, and able to hold it open and keep it open as a possibility. In sum then, just as the above discussion about reconceiving the correspondence between world and thing, the correspondence Sorry. In sum, just as the above discussion about reconceiving the correspondence between world and thing, the correspondence between world and body for Heidegger hinges on our understanding of the dynamic back and forth movement between fundamental ontology and meta-ontology, the continual and interdependent metabole, his, his word, uh, he uses it for umschlag, between the open something and the open nothing, between the fact of facticity and the existential understanding between the primal fact, his word again, of world openness and the attuned and responsively embodied selfhood. Now, just how natural or unnatural this interdependent metabole is, just how natural or unnatural the kinesis of this metabole is, um, and whether it even still makes sense to call it natural, remains a living question. It is altogether obvious that Heidegger's existential ontology is resisting what he sees as the dehumanizing tendency of modern metaphysics. Yet without jettisoning, in the early Heidegger, the systematic, scientific, and metaphysical altogether. Less obvious, however, is what I see as a parallel resistance to the denaturalization of the human being and the denaturalization of the otherness of the world. It is unclear to me whether his later reflections on the history of being can help us with this particular problem, but perhaps starting with these later reflections on embodiment and asking how our embodiment pertains to the history of being, 
how the historical embodiment might raise itself in Heidegger as a question is perhaps a necessary starting point. It will, however, be my end point. Thank you. Mm -hmm.